And that's where we're frustrated is, you know, what are you going to do in the Republican Party to, so that we, because you have a ton of people, the grassroots, mm -hmm. just like Mike Lee used to be, who want to take this state to a more conservative state, that want to move it like Florida. The people in power want the status quo. How do we get rid of SB 54 in a, in a, in a realistic way so that we can get the grassroots back in control like it was with Mike Lee, like it should be, like this found, like this country was founded, principles it was founded upon, because it was meant for the farmer to leave his farm, to go serve for a couple of years, then go back home, not for someone to be a career politician and, you know, go and make tons of money on insider trading, tons of money, you know, and, and come back worth millions. I mean, we've got to get back to that. And it, to me, is your, you, you could be uniquely positioned to help that. And welcome to We Are The People Radio. This is your host, Jason Preston, my lovely bride, Alexia. How you doing, baby? Doing excellent. It's a special day today. Still it's winter. It's the most special day today. <laughs> is that because of our special guest? No. Oh. It's more special than that, although oh. that's special. Is it because it's still snowing? It's still snowing because of you. <laughs> I shouldn't have asked for Why snow. Why don't you tell everyone what a big day today is? I, I don't think I can do it myself. It's her birthday. It's my birthday. And she's here. That's impressive. <laughs> but I mean, she's been, she's been celebrating her birthday for like a month straight. So, yes. I mean, it's kind of like. We keep going. Yeah. <laughs> but I love it. It's always a party here. And she wished for snow for her birthday. And she like now anyone who had a rough day today, thank her. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no. Well, thank you for coming on the show. Uh, thanks for being with us. Um, today we got uh, Rockstar with this that we're going to be getting into. Uh, we're going to be talking about the Republican Party. Ooh. Yeah. Well, yes. Yeah. Sound effects. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's like that. People are like fresh, frustrated with the Republican Party right now. So, sure. so the Republican Party in Utah is under coming under new leadership, um, and uh, we're kind of excited. We've got uh, the. It's not a contender. We have the new who will be the this, this state party chair, uh, who's going to be joining us here in just a second. But, uh, and we're going to talk about his platform. We're going to talk about what he's uh, planning to do to get control of the Republican Party. We're going to talk about the Republican Party. We're not just going to, I, I want to hear his platform, why he decided to run. He's going to talk about that. And then we've got a few questions like, what can we do to get control of the Republican Party? Because I'm, I'm a little frustrated with it. I know a lot of people are frustrated with it. So we're very excited to, to have him on. We're going to bring him on in just a second. But first, uh, make sure you're following us. Uh, you can follow us on uh, Rumble. If you do a search for We Are The People UT, uh, obviously you can find us on Podbeam, Spotify, Apple Podcast. Um, you, we Are The People UT for Utah. Same as our Instagram, that's the same handle, or you can follow us on YouTube. But enough of that. Uh, I want to start off by thanking this uh, Castle Rock Interior Solutions. This episode is brought to us and to you by them. Uh, they specialize in residential and commercial tile flooring. So amazing patriots. Uh, there are incredible patriots out there, and we should be supporting them. Absolutely. I mean, we got a lot of people who are trying to tear this country apart who are making and making money doing it. So in Utah, when we've got local patriots who are uh, standing up to support shows like this and get good, good content out there, uh, check them out, um, especially, again, uh, Castle Rock. Uh, they're based in Orem, and uh, stand-up, honest guys, um, and again, Patriots, I've known them for years and just thankful for good people like that. So without further ado, you want to welcome on our special guest? Yeah, you know, I, th I think it was interesting about a month ago, we had Carson Jorgensen on the show. That was a good show. Current GOP chair. And we were talking about um, the hijacking of the Republican Party of the GOP. Um, and it's interesting to go from the outgoing GOP chair and it would be nice to get a fresh perspective yeah. because like you said, I think we're, we're having some shakeups, we're having some changes and I, I think that's a good thing. Yeah. I think it could, could be a great thing for the party and for the state. So we are very pleased to have Robert Axon with, with us today. What's up, Robert? Hey, pleasure to be with you, you guys. You, you go Rob by Rob though, right? Robert or Rob, either one, just not Bob. That's my grandpa or, or it's what my <laughs> wife calls me when we're, we're competing over a good board game or something. She's so. a lot nicer than my wife. My <laughs> wife doesn't call me a name like Bob. My wife calls me with a name with four-letter words. Hey, it happens. It happens. <laughs> I call you Richard. <laughs> All right. Well, here's a little bit about Rob. Uh, he's got 15 years of experience fighting for conservative values. He is a seasoned Republican. We need boldly to lead Utah into the future. We'll talk about that today. 
Rob spent more than a decade working for Senator Mike Lee, running Lee's state office. Additionally, he's supported more than 20 Republican campaigns across the state in a variety of leadership roles, including grassroots coordination. I love that. Um, and fundraising, candidate training, strategic messaging. His unique skill set and proven track record have helped him guide Utah conservatives to victory, even the toughest of races. Uh, so this one won't be a tough race. <laughs> no, no, a little bit different than it was looking like a, a couple of weeks ago, but uh, it just means that there's uh, an earlier time that we can get to work. I mean, there's a lot of work that we have to get done here in the Republican Party and for the state of Utah. And so it's kind of all hands on deck, really. So tell us uh, what, what made you decide, because you've been working with Mike Lee's campaign, I think you said for 12, 13 years? Yeah, so I worked on his or original since... campaign, and then and then I transitioned to the official office. So I worked for uh, Senator Lee in D.C. for three years, and then back here in Utah for nine. Uh, and, uh, you know, in that in that role, I was able to see a lot of what works and also a lot of what's not working. Yeah. Uh, and when you couple that with raising my family, my four kids, and, and growing up here in Utah, I care deeply about this state. Uh, I firmly believe that, that Utah is uniquely positioned, both from a historical and cultural and geographic perspective, um, that if we seize the opportunity to, to really rise to our potential, we can do a lot that will not only just benefit Utah, but will be an example and, and really a, a standard for other states in our region, here in the Intermountain West, but also nationally for folks to step up and, and realize you know, our country succeeds based off of hard work and collaboration, and uh, it it's in a jam right now, and we have a lot of headwinds. So you, you see Utah being a leader. Um, what do you think of Ron DeSantis in Florida? A lot of people, including myself, would say that's a great – I know Ron and, and, and Trump are kind of going at it, but let's just look at what he's done and what they've done in Florida. Do you see that as being a standard of, of what Utah could be? Oh, absolutely, because – Keep this in mind, Florida, um, you know, I'm not from Florida. I've been there a couple of times. Uh, certainly, it's a beautiful state. Um, I imagine that the headwinds that DeSantis and Republicans in Florida were facing and what they were able to overcome is in many ways different and more uh, challenging than what we have here. And so not only is that a great example that we should be looking to, but if they could do what they did in Florida over the last couple of years, there's nothing to that same degree holding us back here. So we, so we really need to step it up and, and make sure that we're uh, reaching that potential again. If, uh, to the DeSantis example, um, you go back when he was first elected governor. I, I think he won by one percentage point. Barely, yeah. Uh, and then his reelection, it was what, like 18, 19 percentage points? And so you see, you, you need to look back and ask yourself, okay, what did he and Republicans in Florida do? I think a, a big part of that, obviously, is how they responded to COVID. It, it created a contrast that uh, was certainly welcomed uh, with with what people were seeing elsewhere in the country, and they, they voted by their feet and moved down that direction. And even those in Florida, I think a lot of them voted differently uh, in the second go around because they saw that, wow, this is what leadership looks like. There's yeah. somebody who has my family's back. And you saw that also, not just with the governor race, but also all the local school board races. Yep. And, and it saved especially South Florida, from turning into this mushy purple kind of in-between um, to a strong conservative stronghold. Yeah, Miami yep. almost went red. Yeah. I mean, Miami just was about. like just about red, that, and that's insane. But then you look at that in contrast to what's happening <clears throat> here in Utah, especially <clears throat> in Salt Lake Valley. I mean, it's it seems much more of like what's happened in Colorado where it's turned completely. So, yeah. Yeah, and, that, and that's where I, I find it. I'm, I'm very interested in, in what you're saying because I would love to see Utah take take that role, like you said, and lead mm -hmm. um, in conservative principles. Yep. But I but it seems like we're at the opposite end of the Republican spectrum. You know, we're, we've got a governor who's talking pronouns and, and using pronouns with kids, who's pushing transgenderism. You know, we've got a very um, we're, we're a more woke version of, of Florida. And I think that's, and, and that's the thing that frustrates a lot of us. You know, you look at Florida, they, all the law, all the legislation they passed to secure their elections. They took it very seriously after mm -hmm. 2020. Um, Utah passed nothing. I mean, Utah, in fact, anytime you, you brought it up, they, you were, they, they pushed back at you and they got frustrated at you and, and, and they said, you know, don't, don't, you know, we're, where people are happy with it and, and we don't need to, you know, things are fine the way they are. 
Again, Florida, boom, aggressive, pushing towards conservatism. Utah, we're still trying to be a little bit woke. So yeah, what, yeah. You, what are your thoughts on that? No, I, I, I think you're, you're articulating not only the, the gap and that space between our potential and where we're at right now, but also that urgency that we all feel. Uh, and uh, when I talk about the potential that Utah has and, and vis-a-vis Florida and what we're talking about down there, I think it gets to that old adage of steel sharpens steel. In Florida, it was a battleground state for years and years. There was tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars probably spent uh, over the last decade or, or two decades between the two major parties competing for the, the ideas that wanted to uh, be put forth before folks, and, and they made the case, and ultimately it's, it's going our direction as conservatives down that direction. Here in Utah, we haven't had that same uphill battle. And so that whole steel sharpen steel, we haven't had steel to sharpen ourselves against. And so I think it, it has created a scenario where at times we've become a little bit complacent, Uh, which, again, one of the reasons I felt compelled to run for this party chair position is I believe that our party here in Utah can, must, should immediately get to work and start building an apparatus that that is uh, worthy of the people that call Utah home. But I think there's there's another component to to the Utah dynamic. And, Jason, to what you were talking about of um, kind of the woke policies that you see here in Utah at times, while there's some truth to that, I think it's different. And I think it's because culturally, uh, and I'm not just talking about the predominant religion, uh, there's a Utah culture, even from folks that are not really religious, of being kind and being nice and being uh, neighborly and all of these things that are truly wonderful characteristics and traits. Absolutely. And things that I adamantly believe in. However, if you're in this situation where you know you're supposed to be kind and, and you know you're supposed to be neighborly and you also don't have that steel to sharpen yourself against, I think sometimes the reality of what we're up against can get lost in the periphery. And at times, instead of realizing that we, we are fighting against tyranny, we're fighting against a, a, a big government apparatus that wants to take all of our opportunities and liberties, instead of realizing what we're up against, you just focus on, oh, well, here in Utah, we can do our best and we can be kind. Agreed, agreed, agreed. However, we need to know the enemy that's at hand and we need to rise up against that and fight against that. I think as we do that, the, the, the spaces where Utah may kind of on the surface, appear to be woke, will fall away. Because I don't think at our core, even some of the folks that you've mentioned, I don't think at their core they're these woke, uh, you know, leftist uh, ideologues. I think they are trying to be good people. And if the party is in a place where it can be supportive but still firm on the principles and platform of what we believe, I think that's a place where you can rally folks to our direction. Okay, do you have a question? No, I mean, I was just thinking, you know, it was actually even just this conference talk uh, about contention um, in the state. And and it's interesting because you're right. It's it's very much a love your neighbor, you know, be nice and get along type of state. But and also decorum is something that's always emphasized. But and this we can get into elsewhere, but it feels like there is a lot of contention in the state underlying. And sometimes it's even from our legislators going to the constituents. So, you know, I, th- I feel like we're in a state of contrast. Mm-hmm. You know, we have both the equally really nice, but then this also underlying contentious underbelly, if you want to call it. Well, l- let's be honest. Utahns, uh, we are guilty of, of kind of this passive aggressiveness sometimes mm-hmm. and uh, this, this desire to control our tempers, um, but on the inside we're frustrated and angry, but then the outside persona can just be kind of this veneer of kindness. It, it blows uh, my mind as an East Coaster work. because, I mean, we're, we're not the type where, you know, if we have a problem, it's usually in your face and you ta- you hash through it. So I don't understand. I'm still getting, you know, we've been here, what, seven, eight years, and I'm still getting my head wrapped <laughs> around the culture here, and it's not the religion. It's that personality yep. trait you're culture. talking about. But you even see it, you know, you look at Mike Lee and Romney, Mm -hmm. for example. I mean, they're two very different men and different ways of being politicians in what they stand for and in the people they represent. And and the people they represent, you know, you have very strong Mike Lee conservative supporters. And then the Romney, the, I guess, few (laughs) Romney supporters that are out there. And I would consider them a different class of their own. So we're a state of, of contrast. Yeah. And it just makes me wonder what, 
what is the future of the Republican Party in this state if we have so much opposition in, in the people and then also in the politicians? So I think the best way to, to kind of respond to that and, and provide my perspective is actually to lay out why I decided to run for, for the party chair position. You look, and in other states, the Republican Party, or, or any political party for that matter, is very well-funded. It's an apparatus. It's a machine that's in place throughout the year. It's not just during an election cycle, but they have an apparatus of what they engage in, and they do outreach, and they do voter identification and voter registration, and they have staff that is working. And then, you know, they ramp up during election cycles, they win races. Here in Utah, that's not what we have been for the last number of years, and we've been faced with a, a number of challenges. And so you look back uh, four years ago uh, when Derek Brown was the party chair, uh, and shortly after he took over as party chair, there was a vacancy in the vice chair position. I, I ran and, and was elected to be the, the state party vice chair. And we were, at the beginning, uh, I don't know, $450,000 in debt, roughly. By the end of that two-year term, we had retired all of the debt. We were even. Uh, and I'll tell you, it's very difficult to raise money to pay debts. It's one thing to say, hey, donate to the party because we're going to go out and elect Republicans or we're going to go out and do voter training or whatever it may be. It's a lot different saying, hey, we have this debt hanging over our heads and they're like collectors are calling and, and wanting us to pay the bill. Can you donate to that? That's very difficult. We paid it off. Uh, Carson and his team over the last two years, they've done a good job of ensuring that we're not in debt. I mean, that's a fantastic place to be. So grateful to the last four years that we've gotten out of that hole that we were in, but now we need to build something. We have to get to what we see in other states where there is an apparatus that doesn't just occasionally come to the surface around election day, but that we are there year in and year out throughout the, the off year season, throughout the like post election time period, finding conservatives, promoting our principles, promoting the platform, introducing young people and minorities and single moms and everybody in between to what it means to be a Republican. Because let's be honest, most people are getting their information on social media or in the media, uh, you know, and they're being told what to believe. They're being told, here's what Republicans think. Here's who Republicans are. Very occasionally, they may be kind of close. But for the most part, when somebody's telling uh, an American what a Republican is, it's it's not accurate, nor is it done uh, with sincerity. And well, so we and, have and, to be. And out most there. of our politicians are very poor examples of a Republican as well. Yeah, Many of them. Yeah, because keep in mind, if if there's not a party that is focused on the mission of what it's supposed to do, of articulating our principles and platform and defending those, then you're left with the flawed nature of every human being. So, <clears throat> tell me, uh, you started with Mike Lee. Uh -huh. So when and Mark and Mike Lee came in through grassroots, tell yep. me your thoughts. On the on on the grassroots, what is the importance of the grassroots to the to the Republican Party? Uh, it's I mean it's the lifeblood of it. Like at the end of the day, um, we are Republicans not because we care about the elephant or compare or c care even about the party. We care about the being a Republican and the, the success of the party because we believe in the principles that it espouses. And why do we care about those principles? Because they benefit my family. They benefit your family. They benefit the neighborhoods and the, the community that we grow up in. And so that is the lifeblood of the party, is the people who are in those neighborhoods being benefited by good, sound, conservative principles. Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you on the, uh, on the grassroots front, um, the caucus convention system, for example, here in the state, and our delegate process where we are accountable to delegates, I love that system. I, I, am, I am a very strong advocate and fan of that system for a couple of reasons, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you what those are. First off, look at my last name, Axon. I've never met another Axon in my life that I wasn't immediately related to. It's not a common name. Uh, but it tells you something. I don't come from a wealthy family. I don't come from a politically connected family or an influential family. The only reason that I had the ability to get started here in Utah and fighting for a future that I believed in was because of a caucus system that allowed me to go right. and be elected as so, a delegate. So the caucus system is, we believe in it. It's phenomenal. Yep. The problem is it's been neutered. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, count my vote has come and neutered it. Uh, and this is when we, when we had a meeting with Carson about a couple months ago. This is, this is, this is why people are frustrated. Is it not the purpose of the Republican Party to, to select candidates who fit, who fit under the tent of the, of, of the principles of the Republican Party and help them get into office? Uh, and, yeah, absolutely. Right? That, that is, yeah. and, and, and should not the Republican Party have control over who is the, nom the eventual nominees? 
Yeah, I, I think the way that we do that, it, again, um, with the party being just kind of at ground level, there isn't any apparatus, that creates this space where there becomes tension and frustration between elected officials and their constituents, between candidates and the party, between donors and the grassroots. All of and these Utah, folks, that's very that's a very good example of Utah. Oh, yeah, because you have good people that find themselves in one or two of those categories. Most people aren't in more than one or two of those categories. And they look, and, and here's, here's what I think is happening. We all work our tail off fighting for the future that we believe in, right? We're, we're putting our name on the line. We're going out there and articulating our ideas. You become somewhat myopically focused on what you know you need to do and what you're capable of doing. And sometimes it becomes difficult to be aware of what others are doing on their islands unto themselves. And as we have this fractured party right now where people are in one or two of those camps, like I mentioned before, but there's not this collaborative continuity between all of that, it becomes difficult to trust and to understand and to support what somebody else is doing because you haven't seen it. And so I think the party, if built and if, if focused and if strong, actually begins to unify that. Not that there wouldn't still be differences, but we would at I least mean, be Theoretically, I think that makes sense. But, here, but let's talk reality, yeah. okay? You've got organizations like Count My Vote, mm -hmm. which, do you, I mean, do you know who's behind that? Oh, yeah. Okay, it's, it, you know, it's Gail Miller. I mean, we can go through. It's, um, it's, it's Gail Miller. It's, it's Michael Levitt. It's um, Rich McCowan. Um, Val uh, Olveson. So it's a bunch of <laughs> corporate people who basically neutered the Republican Party, right? They, they, it used to be that, again, Mike Lee's perfect example comes up, no money for the most part, yep. grassroots. Yep. He comes in there, he stands on principle. People say, you know what? This guy stands for what we believe in. He doesn't have a ton of money, but we believe in him and let's get him in. He goes through convention and boom. This grassroots guy out of nowhere is now a U.S. senator. Yeah, <clears throat> Count My Vote comes in and says, we can't have that. We're, we need to be in control of that. We're, we want to have a system where they can, get, they can bypass the Republican Party, bypass convention, go and get signatures, pay half a million dollars for signatures, and then, and then, they'll, and then boom, they, are, they have a seat at the, at the table. So I guess Perfect the example, we get um, John Curtis who's a registered Democrat, right? And, and Democrat chair down in Utah County. Fails if even he goes to convention, goes straight by, gets his uh, uh, signatures, pays for signatures, and boom, he's, he is now, you know, the Republican candidate. Uh, Mitt Romney comes in here, spends, ha you know, half a million dollars, I'm sure, on signatures. Nobody can compete with that. And boom, you know, he's there. He's getting censored by the Republican Party. He's, he's, you, you have so many people across the country. He tries to uh, um, um, call out the, the sitting president of the Republican, you know, of the, of the Republican Party and the, of the country. People all over are frustrated, and yet here he is, our candidate, because he gets in by big money, not because he gets in because of the party. So how do you fix this? How, how do you, you, you believe in the grassroots, you believe in Mike Lee, how do we make it possible for another Mike Lee to get into office? So there's three things that you can do to, that counteracts what we have from Count My Vote. Uh, you have to either get the legislature to change the law uh, and do so in a way that, that has the strength and, and influence necessary to communicate to constituents so that there isn't a referendum on the Count My Vote front to, to oversee uh, or over uh, run what the and have they not been does. trying to do that? Oh, of course, of course they have. But again, we're at, we're dealing in a situation where the Republican Party is is weak here in Utah. It's, it's been neutered, and this is why people have a hard time with the Republican Party. People are leaving the party. Sure, but but here's the point: it's not that the party is neutered with a lack of desire to do something. It's that the party doesn't have the funding. It doesn't have the structure and the continuity to then be influential. If okay. we get so that let's, back, so let's so, so go on. Let me hear what you have to say. Yeah. So as we build that out, here's a couple of places that, that things change. So earlier when I was uh, on the, the SEC and, and the Constitution and Bylaws Committee chair, um, we promoted a, a bylaw that got passed by the SEC. And so it's now part of the, the party's rules uh, that states that after convention, only the convention supported candidate or candidates. So one or two individuals in a given race that come out of the convention only those two would be able to benefit during their election cycle, uh, so through the primary, um, with any resources of the party. 
And so let's say there's an example of one or two people coming at a convention and one or two that are on the ballot because they've gotten signatures. Well, with this bylaw change, you now have all of the resources of the party are only available to the two that benefited or, or were successful by gaining the support of the delegates at convention. The challenge, though, right now is that's the rule. But if the party is, is to, to your point, neutered in application of, of not having any structure or staff or funding, well, what does that matter? There's nothing to give to those candidates because right. there's no structure, and so that's my point. And this is how I we mean. Get- I mean, I will tell you during, the, and I saw many people who were running last during the, during 2022. Many of them didn't even get the the list of delegates until like. Yep. I mean, it was it was a crap show. Yeah. I mean, the Republican Party was a crap show in supporting their grassroots candidates. And so, so so this is what we have to deliver. And this is how we get people back because our platform and the principles of the party, those are unifying. Those, those are things that actually bring well, those hundred percent. They're great, but they don't, but the problem is you've got representatives and you've got corporations who are making decisions for who are the candidates are going to be and, and not the party itself. But they're doing that because there's a vacuum. That's my point. We have to, we have to remove the vacuum that exists within the party structure here in Utah, because as there's a vacuum, you have other people that fill that space, whether it's an individual that is an elected official or a candidate that wants to fill it with their brand of Republicanism, uh, or it's a corporate interest, or it's somebody who has a different perspective on how to nominate. I'm fine with people having those opinions and those perspectives, but I just want it to be done in a space where there isn't a vacuum. Right now, the Republican Party being weak allows for a vacuum where their identity becomes our identity. I don't want that. I think there's space for diversity of thought and diversity of opinion, but it's only successful if we have a strong, capable, uh, and, and really collaborative party that is lockstep with the platform. Which comes to raising money, right? right. Which right. Comes, so how do you intend to raise money without being beholden to lobbyists, without being beholden to corporations who now want to... What do like count my vote, control us and 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 keep make sure that they keep the people in power that are going to keep the power stru- the current power structure in play. So there's a couple ways to do that. First off, uh, I mean, as you're talking about being beholden, here's the nice thing: this is a voluntary position, and the bar is pretty low right now because the party structure doesn't exist. So there's no commitment that I would make for any dollar that would be raised. I, my commitment is to the principles and the platform of the party. And in as much as somebody, whether they are new to the party or they've been a longtime donor to the party, in as much as they want to help us execute the vision of what the platform says and communicate that to Utahns and build a community and a future that we care about, their dollars are welcome here. Even if they think that they're somehow going to bend our will, okay, that's fine. You can send your dollars to us all you want. But I'll tell you, under my watch, and I'm sure under this SEC's watch that is coming in, there will not be any compromises on the principles and platform of the party. Instead, it's you can come and play ball with us, but we're not changing the game that we're playing. Um, the other thing that I think that is an, a, an opportunity and one that I felt uniquely positioned to, to bring to the table here is with my experience, my work experience over the last 15 years, I have quite a few connections outside of the state of Utah as well. And I think there is a healthy argument to be made to some of these principal donors and, and uh, you know, businesses and, and PACs and, and a whole host of people who are willing to put their money where their mouth is for sound principle to make that case that Utah is a place to spend some of that money. A dollar here in Utah goes a lot further than a dollar in New York or a dollar in Florida or a dollar in California. And yet the opportunity, getting back to where we started at the beginning, that I feel that the, the potential for Utah to lead is strong. In fact, I'll use the, the, and I've mentioned this to a handful of delegates in a number of occasions, but I'll use this example of, of bookends. You look from Texas to Florida, that's the Republican brand in the South, right? You have all of those states and governors from Abbott to DeSantis, these folks that are standing on principle. That's a, a version of the Republican Party. You have elsewhere, you have the Chuck Grassleys and people in the Midwest. Okay, that's that's fine, but that's not really inspirational in my opinion. I think you have an inspiration coming from the South, and I believe that we can get back to having an inspiration in the Intermountain West. That then becomes two strong bookends. This is what it means to be a a Western-minded Republican. This is what it means to be a, a Republican in the South. Then you have the ability to put all of those different books, so to speak, on the shelf. That's the Republican Party. So, so what does it mean to be a Republican in Utah, then? You have people, in, and, and aside from state politics, within the Republican Party, you, know, you have a party that's really disjointed. And I know mm-hmm. unity is an important thing, and it's a buzzword people use. But how do you bring together the people that just can't stand the governor, can't stand some of our senators, obviously not Mike Lee, and then you have a whole different other camp of uh, that's moving in. So how do you unify and what what makes a Utah Republican? 
Yeah, I, I think the best way to describe that uh, is frankly what we're going to see over these next few weeks. Uh, with all of this snow that's coming in, we know that there's going to be flooding. Mm-hmm. And yep. this is where Utah is at its best. And the people of Utah are at their best is you step up in times of need. That's a, that's the place of commonality that will unify the most liberal of Republican to the most conservative of Republican, that when your neighbor is in need, it doesn't matter what offense they gave you last week or how many times they've, you know, shoveled their snow onto your walk, you step up and you help them. I think those are the opportunities that even uh, obviously here in the spring, we're going to have sandbagging, all of that step up into that space. But then let's find those additional spaces where Republicans and Utahns are at their best of finding commonality. So it's not just about unity for unity's sake. Let's find those places that do unify us, that that uh, Mitt Romney and a Mike Lee agree, that a Governor Cox and a, a, you know, a Greg Hughes agree. I think we can find those places. And as you work on those issues, some of those peripheral differences, they don't go away, but they become far more manageable. They become more manageable because you realize, why do we spend so much time on the periphery when there's a lot of things that we have in common? I firmly believe that as the party is strong and as we unify over those places of commonality, you actually, it's not that the Republican brand moderates. I think it's actually the opposite. The the Republican brand inspires. And then I think you have legislators here in Utah. You have elected officials in Utah. You have future candidates. And even you have some of these big corporate interest donors that you've mentioned before that will see this inspirational side of what the Republican Party had been in the past and what it can be and the opportunities that we have to use that to Utah's benefit right now. That will inspire them to stand strong on the principles that we have. Not that they're going to become you know, a, a party full of, of like-minded Mike Lees. Yeah. But I believe you can actually get people to be more boldly conservative. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, I'm not following that. I think, I, I agree, people in times of distress stand together. But we have, this is not about people standing together. This is a problem where you have a <clears throat> culture of politicians on the right here in Utah that are constantly saying, let's let's move to middle ground. Let's move to middle ground. Let's Let's compromise. Let's compromise. And all we've done is, is move further and further and further left. Well, you have Florida, who has a different perception. And this is the reason we bring up Florida. We're from Florida. That's where, yeah. we look, that's where we came here from, Florida. And Florida's saying, no, we're not going to compromise with evil. We're not going to compromise with, with things that are, that are not wrong. When's the last time the left was compromising with the right? But Utah's constantly sliding that way. <clears throat> and and that when she brings up what's Utah's brand, I think Utah's brand is very clear. It's very, you know, I think a lot of it's been well put. We are kind of a rhino culture, a culture of Republican in name only. I think Mitt Romney is kind of the tip of the iceberg. Of, he's the extreme there. And, and then you get a lot of our state and our governor and, and who are kind of, you know, I mean, again, uh, right here in uh, John Curtis, I mean, Democrat his whole life. You don't, you're not 40 years old and all of a sudden, oh, I, got, I was wrong my whole life. All of a sudden, I, you know, I was a Republican. I mean, the, you switch for power. You switch for career to climb the power structure. And that's where we're frustrated is, you know, what are you going to do in the Republican Party to, so that we, because you have a ton of people, the grassroots, mm-hmm. just like Mike Lee used to be, who want to take this state to a more conservative state, that want to move it like Florida. The people in power want the status quo. How do we get rid of SB 54 in a, in a, in a realistic way so that we can get the grassroots back in control like it was with Mike Lee, like it should be, like this found, like this country was founded, principles it was founded upon, because it was meant for the farmer to leave his farm, to go serve for a couple of years, then go back home, not for someone to be a career politician and, you know, go and make tons of money on insider trading, tons of money, you know, and, and come back worth millions. I mean, we've got to get back to that. And it, to me, is your, you, you could be uniquely positioned to help that. But how do you get around the, the count my vote, the corporations and the politicians who don't want to see that change, that want to keep the status quo? The Utah brand could be the grassroots brand. It which should would, be. Which should be. It the should way, be. Right. So, so keep in mind, and, and even in my example, I didn't talk about moving to the middle. I, I don't believe. No, no, you, need, you didn't. But that is the, that is the but, Utah way. Sure, sure. But all the more reason, again, not, not to harp on this, the party has not, has not been in existence here in Utah in a meaningful way. And that's the okay, vacuum so, of space. Well, so you ask about SB 54, yeah. though. you ask about these, these different examples. We have to build a party that exists, that has structure, that has continuity, that has collaborative opportunities, that rallies around the principles and the platform without 
being embarrassed by it, but instead boldly saying, this is what we believe and anybody's invited who sticks with us on this. As we do that, then we have the leverage to raise funds. Then we have the leverage to engage with our elected officials in Salt Lake at the legislature to change SB 54. Then we have the leverage to, to frankly, go to that negotiating table without being this feckless uh, positioned party that right now it's like we're, we're begging for them to right. finally realize that like, hey, you guys have treated us poorly. I believe that we can get the party to a place where it's not only seen as as influential with a big stick to punish somebody, but it's a giant carrot too. I mean, the party. I would at its love best, to see that. I would. Utah would needs something like that. Yep. Because the Republican Party, as it is now, and and, and Carson said it right on the show, has is has been stripped of all of its power. It it's it's been, it has been gutted between corporations and government, which is. Honestly, the definition of fascism, and if and if we can't take that back, and, that, and I would love to see you do that because I will tell you the grassroots would rally, they would support, totally. they would put money in, into the Republican Party if the Republican Party was more loyal to them than to the establishment. So and here's another question, Cam: yeah. Ranked choice voting. The yeah. RNC nationally says we are against it. Here we are in Utah implementing it all over the place. I mean, tell us your thoughts on that. Yeah, I, I am a very vocal opponent of ranked choice voting. I, I'm not a believer in, in that process. I think any time that we try to go too far away from that, uh, that idea of each person getting a vote, one vote, uh, it waters down the system and it, it complicates it. And you look at, at what we've seen in election security and in election integrity, there's this crisis of confidence that exists in the United States right now. And if we're unwilling is to- it, Is it valid? The crisis of confidence. A hundred percent it is. hundred percent it's valid. It's valid because, uh, and, and here's the thing, like anybody who believes that questions about in election integrity, whether it's questions around the, the efficacy of ranked choice voting or the outcome of an election, shame on them. That should be the unifying space that actually brings Republicans and Democrats together and every other party in between because every single American deserves the right to cast their vote and have confidence that it was that it was counted and added to the vote tally correctly, and that the outcome of the election, even if it wasn't your your issue or your candidate that won the day, you need to be in a place where you're confident that at least it was done fairly. And anytime that there's improvements that could be made or lessons that could be learned, and somebody's afraid of engaging in that, shame on them. So Utah County's pushing <clears throat> ranked choice voting; they've mm -hmm. been implementing it. Uh, they're also now starting to push the uh, <clears throat> vote by phone. What would you do about these things? So I think the role that I would have as, as party chair would not, be, would not be the one to go in and attack that or, or, or degrade that. It's to be clear that this is the role of, or this is the standard that the, or the, the Republican Party believes right now. So you look, for example, like you said, the RNC put out its clear statement on, right. on ranked choice voting. Um, I, I know that even here in Utah, within the SEC, there's been efforts to have similar statements. I think that becomes very important that this is our standard. It then behooves the local elected officials. And, and frankly, I know a lot of those folks in Utah County, and I know their hearts. They're good people. They're trying to do the right thing. I think they're misguided on this issue. Uh, and I've had this conversation friendly with these folks that, like, no, I think there's some deep concerns. And, again, like, the reality is we have nefarious players in, in the world. Here in this country, even that and in this state, and in this state, mm -hmm. to think that evil doesn't exist is is not so naive. Yep, and and there are people that would love to take advantage of well-intended individuals, uh, and uh, I think it's important for us to realize, like, we are not just dealing with a, a group of benevolent, wonderful, well-intended people in their totality. We have people that would love to take advantage of our well or our good intentions, and so in that situation where we see, and ranked choice voting is is potentially one of those where it doesn't matter that Utah County is trying to do it for the right reasons and in, in the right way, it can create an opportunity that undermines the system elsewhere. And so we need to be more cautious in that. So how would you see your role uh, in being effective at stopping that? So it, it gets back again, uh, you know. So you, be, you, you talk about let's build the so that it has some weight, so it has you know, a as, stick in the carrot. As the party has that. <clears throat> so show becomes, me how, tell me in theory how you would be able to say to Utah County, hey, this stuff's got to stop. So think about this. Uh, if you are an elected official, um, by and large, it's not a fun job, right? I mean, I've never been in elected office. I, I've held positions within the party, uh, but I've never uh, held a position that paid me. 
I, I'm not out there uh, going and putting my name on the line to, to be an auditor or a, a state senator or anything else. So I, I am very much appreciative of people being willing to be candidates. Like, you, I mean, you are a candidate yourself. I'm very appreciative of folks that uh, win office and then serve and, and go about that. When the party doesn't exist meaningfully, then they all that they have is they have their own conscience, they have their own heart, they have their own brain and experience to go about. And I can give them grace and the benefit of the doubt that by and large, most of them are trying to do the right thing. But it becomes very important for us to have mirrors around us where we can see our reflection and, and have that, that wake up call. Like, am I doing the right thing? Am I still going about this for the right reasons? I believe the Republican Party, when strong, acts as that. Not only is it a mirror for that gut check to check in and make sure that you're doing it for the right reasons and in the right way, but it becomes this rallying of support around you that as you do the correct thing, as you stick to the principles and the platform of the party, you're supported. I, I mean, heck, you, you brought up uh, Congressman Curtis, uh, and I know that the two of you have your differences, and, and I respect that. It's important and it's healthy to have differences of opinion and approach and style. Um, I, I do have to say I'm, I'm appreciative of a number of things that he has done, though, like this last election cycle uh, down in Grand County and in San Juan County. He stepped up because the party wasn't strong enough. And he and his campaign did a Herculean effort in bringing about a, a bunch of wins there in races that really matter. Those are the types of behaviors that I appreciate. And while it might not like put aside all of the differences that you have with him, what that creates is that creates an opportunity for him to be encouraged to be more boldly conservative. And that's my hope. My hope is any elected official, once you're past the finish line and you are the, the elected official, party needs to be there to help keep you accountable to make sure that you stay consistent to our platform and our principles and as and how you do does, so and be tell supportive. me how the republican party does that an example of for example mike McKell, dan mckay who mm -hmm. constantly are online berating their constituents talking down to them calling someone a nazi telling someone else that they're not a lion like he is i mean what is the republicans part role party's role in making sure you know sure the mitt romney's these 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 politicians we have that are out of line with the principles of the party, what is, what is, how do you see the role of, of the Republican Party in, in reining that in? So the role of the party at its best is not to guarantee any outcome, uh, as we're talking about elected office. The role of the party is instead to communicate and preach and, and influence the principles and the platform uh, and, and bring people into the, from the community into a space where they understand that. I firmly believe that as, as Utahns better understand our platform and what we believe in and our principles, they actually will, through the elective process and, and the electoral process, hold accountable these candidates and these elected officials. I think that's the best role. So it gets back to that grassroots space. The party needs to set up a fair and transparent structure for elections that also creates strength around our platform and our principles that then allows the grassroots to hold the candidates accountable. That's how you keep... Uh, elected officials engaging with their constituents fairly, especially when they when when you when they know that <clears throat> that we have not only fair, good, honest elections, but that we don't have the SB fifty four where you're just going to have these guys buy their way back onto the ballot. What were you going to say? I was going to speak mostly <clears throat> about our experiences in, in southeastern Utah, but I'll save that for another time because <laughs> <laughs> I have a different opinion of that. But that's for another show and another time. Um, and I don't want to digress too much from what we're talking about, but, uh, you know, I'm actually running for SEC this year because I think a lot of the, the power to, to take power back rather from, from some of this out of control stuff is in the governing body of, of oh, the totally. Republican party. And totally. that's, that's super important. And I think if people understood that more, or even just the basics of how the party ran, it would be less overwhelming to get involved. Um, and something I've been involved with this last month has been the referendum for the flag. So mm -hmm. I don't know how you feel about uh, the new state flag and, and referendum process. But um, what I have learned in the process actually has nothing to do with the flag. It has to do with the fact that people just have no idea what's going on in this state. They don't even want to start to wrap their heads around it because it's just, it's safer and easier to keep your head in the sand. You have, you know, kids and soccer practice and ballet and dance. It's easier just to not know. And the more we've learned and the more we've uncovered in the process of running for office, the more we realize, well, now we have a responsibility to fix things because now we know too much. And running for office was just the top layer of that. So 
Um, I, I would completely agree with you. And, and here's the challenge. And, and it's not just the party has failed. It's not just that government is too big. It's not just that elected officials don't care about their constituents at times, though those may all be 100% true. The reality is the average American is not engaging in the process as much as I believe that they could and should. And I think we have a moral uh, duty really with our, our historical experience of having a, a revolution that was fought on these shores and for the first time in world history that we're aware of. You have those that were the victors that took all of the, the winnings and the spoils of that and gave it away to the masses. Right. It wasn't held in, in an aristocracy. It wasn't held in, in wealthy families. It was given to the people. That creates not only this amazing foundation of freedom and liberty that we've been blessed with for a couple of hundred years, but it creates this obligation that is not being taught in schools correctly, is not frankly being taught in the homes as, as supportedly as it should be, that we have to give a little bit of time. We have to step in and understand the issues. We have to call into our elected officials and, and keep them accountable by sharing our perspective on something. Because frankly, I, I would imagine a lot of elected officials, it's not that they want to ignore their constituents, it's that they're not hearing from them. And so then they're just based on like their own experience. I guess this is what we should do. Yeah. No, like Americans and Utahns need to step up and be involved in the process. And I believe, again, the party, it's not, it's not that I care about the Republican Party. It's that I care about the principles and the outcome and the future of this state and this country. And the Republican Party, thank God, is one of the places that it's being protected. And there's very few institutions that are sticking to, to their full potential including our party. And so this is a place that we can step up and help this institution and other institutions. We all need to ask ourselves, where, where's the place of influence that I have to make sure that it's in my home, in my neighborhood, in my state, we're rising to our potential and we're doing all that we can. Because once that happens, it becomes a little bit easier to invite somebody to actually get engaged again yeah. and ask them to put the TV remote down or ask them to, you know, like go play pickleball, do your TikTok, whatever you want to do, but at least carve out some time to be civically involved. But that well, goes back to the danger of the state and the culture of the state because mm -hmm. the limited amount of people getting engaged, you know, you hear legislators, you know, when we're talking about mail-in ballots and they say, oh, the people love mail-in ballots. Why do the people love mail-in ballots? Because everybody uses it. You know, it's like we haven't actually pulled people. Want the new flag, you know, oh, everyone loves the new flag. These polls, this involvement is, a, is either an echo chamber or it's not a representative government where it's actually speaking for the people. People trust just their church leaders because they happen to be in the government position. And this Go is ahead. the beautiful thing that's causing so much problems. We're going to wrap it up here, but you know, you're hundred percent right. We don't have schools. We have schools that teach, you know, the 1619 project. We teach that America is racism. We teach that America is bad. We teach that America is, you know, we teach principles of Marxism. And then once we prop send, you know, fill these kids heads with propaganda and, and, and destroy the moral fabric of society. And then what we say is now we want everyone to vote. We know you don't know anything about the government. We know you don't know anything about the principles this country is founded upon, but we want you to vote. Why? Because we know how you're going to vote when you're uneducated. You're going to vote for the person who has the most money. We roll out projects like, you know, like uh, SB uh, 54 that, that allows people with big high dollars to push out their marketing budgets, to push out the advertising, to get on TV. You get the uneducated person who has no clue about the principles of the Constitution and you say, and you, and now you empower that base to dictate where this this state and this country goes. This is why they were, you know, their founding fathers initially wanted landowners to vote. Mm -hmm. They didn't want the uneducated masses. You know, they did not want a democracy. That's not what our founding fathers gave us. They gave us a republic. Yep. And I think what Utah has done over the past many years, and the reason we have, the reason people are checked out of the Republican Party, is because what's happened to the party because we've allowed the uneducated masses through mail-in voting, because we've lost control of our education systems, we've lost control of the media, we're dumbing down society to a degree that's ridiculous, and then we're saying, now you decide where we go, you steer the ship. And meanwhile, the people who are actually educated, the people who, you, who are the true grassroots, their voices absolutely silenced by the masses, and, and, they're, and they're frustrated. Because how do they how do they win that fight? So there so there's there are real problems here in Utah, and the problem is we're not we're, you know we're not if if we really want to fix this state, we've got to address the real issues, and and I think we've talked about them here, but it's it it does come down to mail-in voting. You have to get rid of that. that. Is that is garbage? You know, we go and we we do street interviews to people and say, did you vote last? Did you vote in twenty? Yeah, we voted. Um, great Republican, Democrat, Republican, or or in, who'd you vote for? 
They don't, don't even know. They don't even know. They don't even know who's, who's their your, state rep. Who's are. your congressman? Yeah. I don't know. Who's your who's your who's your who's your mayor? Who's your who's your uh, senator? Maybe who's your governor? They don't know any of them. Yeah. And yet they're voting. Is that really what you know? Is that really the right way to be taking our country? Again, this is what happens in vacuums. It happens in the vacuum that happens in your home when you don't have parents involved. It's the vacuum that exists in schools when you have teachers that are overwhelmed and just teaching off of a curriculum rather than the actual needs of what their students are, are faced with. It's what happens when you have a vacuum of, of confidence that it is coming out of D.C. I believe, I firmly believe, that we can fill that vacuum that the Republican Party can fill that vacuum, that we, as an example, can fill the vacuums that exist in our homes and in our neighborhoods. But and you have so much fighting against you. Oh, absolutely. Both within the party, sure. in the SCC, and in and politicians who want the status quo to stay, and corporations. I mean, if you're really going to seriously fight that fight that we just talked about right there, that's a fight. That it, is a serious fight. 100% it's a fight, but here's how you do it. It's not about tomorrow. It's not about next year. It's not about the next election cycle or even the one after that. We have to have a vision of what the horizon looks like. It has to be about what 10 years from now and 20 years from now Utah looks like in the Republican Party in this state. If we focus on the vision of 20 years from now, we need a party that is strong and capable so that there isn't a vacuum, so that it has the influence to keep people as conservative and principled as possible, to help them be boldly uh, committed to what the Republican Party believes once they're an elected official and when they're a candidate, help them get across the finish line as conservatives. That's what the horizon should and must look like. We have to then work our way back from there. That has to be the focus because if we're only looking at a year from now, we might occasionally win and we'll occasionally lose. If we're focused on that horizon mark, then we can build the structure necessary to be consistently winning. So let's take our eyes off the myopic view of even just Utah. Yeah. Yeah. And Granted, like you said earlier, crisis, maybe that will be something to unite us here in the state. Let's look at something more holistic. Let's look at the country mm -hmm. in general right now. You have a dollar that's falling, mm -hmm. an economy that might not have that 10, 20-year horizon window you're even talking about. So how do you take our place in the world as, as America, and what does that future look like for the GOP? not just for Utah, but what, it, what do we look like as a nation? Do we have that kind of forward-looking horizon, or, or are we, in, we need to look more narrowly at what we're in right now? I think deep down, the American people are good people, and here's why. Because it's in our, it's in our DNA. We crossed oceans, and we crossed borders, and we, we came here risking all, whether it was you know, one generation back or, or 10 generations back. You have literally this DNA of explorers and and people who believe in, in, in really going and building something. Uh, when you couple that with what I mentioned before of, of our, our country's founding and the American founding, I think that there is there's an abundance of opportunity. I'm going to challenge you. Please do. Nations are built. All great nations are built on the backs of pioneers, yeah. stoics, indiv individuals who, who have that fighting spirit you're talking about. But then over time, they, those strong men become weak men because good sure. times make weak men. We are no longer those type of people. We are people who are afraid. But, it, and, and, but I believe and it's it in may, our it, DNA. It, I, I believe that there's great stuff in our DNA too. But as a nation, we have become soft. We've become, we've, we don't even have men. We, ha we have a crisis of men just even being men. And, and I think that's not even, it's not even, that is a very real statement. I mean, we are a nation that is like Rome before it fell, a nation of people who want to feel good, that want to, that want to have fun, that want to be entertained, that, want, that are afraid of everything. They're afraid of, you know, they need safe spaces. So I don't think that's who we are as a nation, and I think that we have to address that. And I, we have to say, what I are we going to do to get, because if we don't straighten, I mean, we have, the dollar is, I mean, when we, we, need, we can get rolling here, but um, I, I want to say this. I, th I think you've done a great job uh, articulating your points I appreciate your stances. I appreciate you standing up against rate choice voting. I appreciate that you standing up against SB 54. I think you said, um, you know, a lot of the right things. And I pray to God that you're serious and that you can, and that you can get control of the Republican party, because I will tell you this, our country is in desperate trouble. I mean, this is not, this is, I think the, the difference with Alexi and I, and to us, we, we are in politics, but we, but we're not, this is not about politics. This is about a country that is it's about, about to our fall. Future. Yeah. And, and we are not 20 years away from that fall. We are on the doorstep of that fall. And that's why we're so frustrated is when literally we're on the verge of world war three, we, we, we are literally on the verge of, of America 
collapsing. And we have politicians who are busy playing political games instead of standing up and doing what's right. And, you know, that's where I, I, I pray. I really hope you can, you can be, you know, a difference maker that can get control of the Republican Party, that can allow the grassroots, the way our founding fathers intended this country is for the, for the 3% of the people who care, who are invested and educated, to be able to shape the future. Rather than the, than the, than a rather than the masses steering us into you know oblivion because the masses will always do that, uh, so I, I you know I, I hope you can stand up to the corporations that count my vote. I hope you can stand up to these politicians who want the status to, things to stay the status as they are. Because um, I will tell you, Utah needs someone in that role to get control of the Republican Party to rally the people and to give and to help people believe in a vision of the Republican Party, what it has been, what it could be, and to put a a system in place that we can clean house and that we can keep the good people in there and the people who maybe are a little too comfortable, put at least the fear in them where they start to say, you know what, I'm going to treat my constituents with a little more respect because I am concerned they could replace me. Yeah, no, that's that's a healthy space to to have and and that accountability matters. Uh, And I wholeheartedly agree. I, I said at the beginning that we're facing a lot of headwinds. I, I think that the next handful of years are going to be extremely difficult here in our country, which is all the more reason that as we have the foresight of what we are facing, we have to stand up. And so to every every person that listens to this that's from Utah that asks themselves, well, why am I involved in the party? Why am I a Republican? Well, answer that question for yourself. And you can step away all you want, but as you step away, then the outcome that you get is one that uh, has a neutered party that isn't effectual in, in fighting for the future and defending the future that we want. And so to every every Utah that, that ever questions, they need to ask themselves, and I would hope that they would come to the answer that the Republican Party is their party, that they are the Republican Party, and so they can't step away. We yeah. need them to be there. And as the people, I mean, look, we are the people, like you said, it's about the people. And the people in this state and the people in this country, I firmly believe in spite of the challenges of what we have facing us, we will be able to rise to the challenge. However, we do have a couple of options before us. Is it going to be one that is painful or is it going to be one that we can avoid some of the pain by preparing now? That's what I'm committed to doing is helping the Republican Party in our state be part of the, the cause for good to ensure that we're avoiding some of the heartache that otherwise will befall us. Awesome. Final thoughts, baby. No, I think I think pain is inevitable. It's like yeah, what it's, you said. it's here. Yeah, pain <laughs> it's is avoid some of the pain. Yes. I, I don't think we can avoid all the pain. You know, it's it's a hard line because part of why I'm running for SEC and I think a lot of uh, the impetus for you running for office and you stepping in is we want to be change agents. We want to we don't want to be status quo. We don't want to be paying the defense like we have been. We want to be actual change agents, but we're also conservatives. Yep. So you know you have to dance this delicate limbo between being conservative but also being enough of the change and prompting enough change that we're being i don't want to use the word progressive but we need to actually be well when when, when yes when when systems when systems turn corrupt you need to you need to think forward thinking to change them like the founding fathers exactly. it was they had it was they there was very progressive in, in in that sense of the word because they had to change things so yes there is a balance between holding to what's true and valuable, what's got us here, and being forward-thinking, and there's a balance, so you're right. There, there's a nice thing, though, that we all have. We have two places that you can look that will give you the focus to make sure that you're doing the right thing and doing it for the right reasons, and also when you have somebody that some interest that thinks that they can encourage you one way that compromises your principles, you don't even have to worry about that because you change your view and you look at these two things. You look yourself in the mirror, and I try to do this literally daily, look myself in the mirror and ask myself the questions of, am I rising to the, the potential that I have and to what my maker believes and uh, expects from me? The other place that I look for a reflection is in the eyes of my kids. As I do that every day, as I try to think, what do they need? What future do they deserve? That keeps me focused. And I don't care what type of thing is said about me or what person is disappointed in me outside of my children, my wife and myself. That keeps you focused. And I believe that's at the heart of conservatism because then we stay committed to what's right. I love it. So final question here from me, and and I'm just piecing this together as we're talking, but changing of the guards, you know, going from Carson, Uh young leader, you know, farmer Mm -hmm. to, you know, I guess we can call you a city boy, even though it's Salt Lake (laughs) Valley. You know, what what do you think will be the biggest changes we'll see this upcoming season now with the GOP, both in your leadership and also some of the other changes that are coming? What can we look forward to? 
Yeah, I, I think um, where I am on the political spectrum is very close to where Carson is. So there's not going to be much change there. It's now just going to be a change of style. And this is where uh, I now get to utilize for the benefit of the Republican Party of the state all of the connections and experiences that I've made professionally over the last 15 years. And I'll tell you what, I'm not beholden to any of them. I don't care who I offend in the process, but I can go about it in a way that is accepting and, and validating and, and, and inclusive, but not inclusive to compromise the principles and the platform of the party. Here's the nice thing. The true big tent of the Republican Party is having a tent big enough for every patriot who believes in what we believe in to come and, and be a part of that. It's not to invite in people who will water us down. So that's what I'll be able to utilize is my experiences and those connections in a way that shows a common path forward, again, looking at that horizon view so that we can then implement what needs to be done in the years between. Awesome. Excellent. All right, there you have it. Rob Axon from the new state party chair. Officially, when will that be official? Uh, April 22nd at the state convention. Okay. So any delegate, go on out to the convention at UVU, April 22nd. Okay. And uh, just again, thank you to um, Castle Rock Interior Solutions. I appreciate you guys stepping up and uh, supporting us, helping us do this. Obviously, our goal is, is to get conservative perspective out there that we know that the big stations here will not share. And, uh, you know, ask some tough questions. We did ask some tough questions, and I appreciate your answers on that. So thank you for helping us, funding us, and allowing us to do this in a professional way. And uh, thanks to all our viewers. Uh, like, share, and let's get this information out. And, uh, you know, obviously, yes, I'm very frustrated about where things are. Um, Utah is, is, especially when we talk really about Florida and where Florida is, and I, and I, like Rob, believe that Utah should be the leader, and I believe we will. I, I believe we will. I believe we will win. I think this is, the, this is ground zero for freedom. Uh, well, well, you both have both light and dark always, and uh, we know who's going to win. So thank you, and Rob, for coming out. Yeah, and thank uh, you, guys. Thanks to all our listeners and viewers, and until uh, next time, God bless you guys.